I've been told that I tell stories. <laughs> I've been told they're quite good. And I've been told that when I tell it every time, it gets a little different and much more elaborate the second or third time. <laughs> well, you know, I remember details and I remember things. So uh, I, I want to weave a little tale for you this morning. And uh, the names have been changed not to really protect the innocent, but to uh, <laughs> cover the guilty. <laughs> <laughs> like it or not, what I'm going to tell you, it really did happen. And uh, so I'm going to present to you a, a farmer in a little community. We're going to call him Raymond. And then we're going to have another character in the story. He was uh, almost going to be a retired landowner. He was a deacon and financial chairman of the first church of the one-third just saved waiting for the rapture. <laughs> There's, I've been part of that before. That's what it was. I was one-third saved and waiting for Jesus to take me out because that's what I got told. <laughs> so uh, young Raymond, him and his wife had married and he was a farmer at heart. He wanted to do some more land. He needed to expand his territory. So in the little country church where Raymond went to, uh, church leader Thomas, financial chairman, deacon, had a piece of land. They were getting ready to retire, and they needed to liquidate it. They wanted to sell it. So one day Thomas approached Raymond and said, The Lord has spoken to me. You and your wife are supposed to buy my piece of property. Well, Raymond thought, Well, this is a church leader. I've respected him. He's been here for a long time. God didn't really tell him that, but God told him that, so it must be true. Of course, Raymond's wife was pitching a fit. <laughs> Raymond's father-in-law and brother-in-law were saying, we grew up with him. Don't do this. This is not a good businessman to deal with. We don't care what church relationship you have with him. Don't do this. Raymond, like all mercy-orientated people and mercy-gifted people, see the best of everything and think they would nothing would ever come of it. That he meant good and that because he was a church leader of the one-third saved just waiting for the rapture, that he could hear God. Raymond and his wife had not heard that, but anyway, they proceeded with the land deal. They sold the farm. Raymond signed a note. And um, about a year into the financial dealing, the wells on the farm, they paid for an irrigated farm and the wells went dry. All along, Raymond's father-in-law said, have the wells tested. Go have them tested. Do not trust what he is telling you. Go have the wells proven by the State Land Commission. Raymond didn't want to do it because it would have made Thomas look bad. It would have doubted his word because since he was a church leader of the one-third just saved waiting for the rapture, he could hear God. But Raymond couldn't because he was just a lowly one who opened the door and moved chairs. Yet he loved everybody and was a serviceman. A few years into the deal, rain started drying up on this piece of property. Farmers, what happens when you pay for an irrigated farm and the wells go dry and then there is no rain? You have a dryland farm that's worth probably a third to a half of what you paid for. You just lost half of your stock investment. How are you going to make land payments every year on something you can't get a crop off of? But 
Raymond believed that Thomas, who is a financial leader and a deacon in the first church of the one-third saved, just waiting for the rapture, had heard God. Hmm. Well, as time progressed, years on down the line, Raymond and his wife couldn't even make the interest payments on the note anymore. Hmm. So they wound up in the lawyer's office in a town, hmm. and Raymond had two choices. He could declare bankruptcy on the piece of ground, or he could turn the piece of property and what he invested in that piece of property back to now Thomas's widow, as Thomas had died. And that's what they did. Raymond had invested in a tailwater pit. Raymond had put an electric pump in this to help recirculate what water he could save to try to get a crop out of it. He had made improvements on, the, on where the home was. There was a house on it that he had rented out to some people before. And he had money and time invested in this piece of property. But since he had signed the note, it was a done deal. So they went to the lawyer's office, undid the paperwork, and Thomas's widow, who had been a Sunday school teacher all these years, had taught many kids the books of the Bible. That's what she did. When you went through her Sunday school class, you learned Old Testament, you learned New Testament. And all of a sudden, that day in the lawyer's office, little Miss Meek and Mild turned into a raving Jezebel and said, you stole this piece of property from us. I now have no retirement, and what are we going to do? Although she had the land back, and all the improvements that Raymond had put into the farm, she still was convinced that Raymond, the good-hearted man, had stolen from her. Saints, what really went on behind the scenes here? What really went on behind the scenes was a spirit of witchcraft got involved here through someone that they knew and they thought would be okay to do business with, even with warnings from other individuals. Raymond being innocent. See, being part of the church of the one-third saved, they didn't believe that demons existed, much less they could operate through a believer or a Christian, much less one sitting on the financial board of the church, much less his wife. See, when you're part of the church of the one-third saved, spiritual warfare is something that someone else does. Deliverance is the name of a rock band that smokes marijuana not something that needs to happen in your Sunday school class. <laughs> that's, that's what I used to think deliverance was until I sat down in the chair myself and found out, wow, this is really good. We should do this again. <laughs> Raymond spent most of the next years of his life under condemnation because he did not understand he had been manipulated by a spirit of witchcraft. See, what really went on is the deacon knew that his wells were going dry. And he knew that Raymond trusted him and he would never have the wells checked on the farm. And he knew he could manipulate him into buying something that was going to be half its value some years down the line. Sir Thomas, the leader of the first church of the one-third saved, waiting for the rapture, that didn't believe in deliverance and did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, had by a spirit of witchcraft manipulated this church member into a business deal. And Raymond, for years, walked under condemnation, thinking it was his fault that nothing worked out. Saints, this really happened. This is not a story on, about Dallas or Atlanta. This was a story that happened in this area. Hmm. 
And it's a story that happens, whether it be a land deal, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a marriage that someone got forced into. It's a story of what really happens when the spirit of witchcraft is not recognized and it's allowed to operate and what it will do to believers. Saints, the definition of witchcraft in its simplest form is this. It is the application of your mind and your will and your emotions to coerce someone else into doing something that you want them to do for you. See, long before there were pointy hats and pots of bull and frog guts or whatever they put in there, or potions and mixtures and incantations and pentagrams and, you know, images of occult practices long before that stuff came to Hollywood and got glorified, long before there were castles and gothic makeup and all this stuff that we think what involves witchcraft. The simplest form of it started with Cain and Abel. The simplest form of it started with other characters in the New Covenant where the spirit of witchcraft came in to manipulate someone else's will. Saints, one peg sign that the spirit of witchcraft is in operation is the amount of confusion and the amount of sickness that comes around an individual or a body of believers. Hmm. The first thing is confusion. It starts speaking to get that focus, to get your eyes off what the real focus is. A witchcraft spirit will never let you get down to the point. You know what? Judge Judy doesn't put up with the spirit of witchcraft. And I don't even know if she's born again or not. But when Judge Judy gets up there, she gets to the point real quick, doesn't she? And says, hey, talk the truth to me. I want to talk to you a little bit about how to recognize the spirit of witchcraft and how to see it before it gets to you and how to put a stop to it before you come under the influence of that thing. Saints, that thing can operate in a local group of believers. It can rest in the pulpit of a church. It can rest in the local leadership of the church. It will rest on the worship team. It will answer the phone at church. It will answer the phone at home. Saints, I go to work at a very, very busy grocery store in Clovis at Albertsons. I cannot be in that door less than 20 minutes on any given day, and already before I walk in that door, a spirit of witchcraft has come in, and somebody's trying to manipulate somebody to get something that they want. They didn't get their days off on a schedule, so what do they do? They call in sick, or they say, my child is sick. And there's nothing the department manager can do about it except hope they can call somebody else in or incur excessive amounts of overtime by the end of the week. All because the employee didn't get what they wanted. That is a spirit of witchcraft. It is fueled by rebellion and it's fueled by a spirit of divination. Saints, there's different personalities that we see in God's word starting with the uh, old, uh, in the Old Testament and on into the New, what we would know, we, we very many times heard the spirit of Jezebel. Well, the spirit of Jezebel is another personality of the Antichrist spirit. There are several stories of this happening. Cain and Abel, Saul and David, Samson and Delilah, Jezebel and Elijah. We get into the New Covenant where Jesus came on the scene. Jesus with the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And one of the main ones we saw that dealt with this in the New Covenant was the Apostle Paul. 
See, whenever uh, Paul was on his missionary journeys, what happened? <laughs> Anytime he got somewhere, he would begin to establish the grace of God. And Dorman, who did he have more problems with? Church folks. The church of the one-third saved. And I don't even think they knew about a rapture back then. <laughs> in Acts chapter 19, we'll find out when Paul was in the upper coast of Ephesus. This is where he ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the first group of, um, uh, of uh, Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians. said, have you believed since you received? They said, have we received what? They didn't know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he ministered this to them. And they got gloriously filled. And if you keep on reading a little bit later, there was a riot that got stirred up because as these people were getting born again and they were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden they began to see that the worship of Diana was nothing but idolatry. And they quit buying idols. They quit buying witchcraft books. They started to destroy all of their tools of witchcraft. And the ones who were in business to sell these things all of a sudden realized that their market just got hit. They took a plunge in the stock market. All of a sudden, worship of the goddess of Diana wasn't that much of a priority anymore. Yet if you realize in history, one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple of Diana, was located at Ephesus. It was as great an architectural feat as the pyramids of Egypt or any other thing at the time. And so uh, in Acts chapter 19, verse 23 And it said, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, bought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Saints, when a spirit of witchcraft comes in operation, watch out for your pocketbook. Do not be manipulated by a commercial or by a pressing need. Your money is released because the Holy Spirit gave you the freedom to do it. Not because somebody arm twisted you into buying something that you never felt peace about to begin with. The farmer, Thomas, had two people plus his wife say, don't do this. I don't feel right about this. We've done business with him before, and it doesn't ever work out for anybody but him. Yet because he had the cloaks of a church leader, and he was financial deacon of First Church of the one-third saved that were waiting for the rapture, it was supposed to have been good on the surface, and it didn't turn out good. Thomas got duped by a spirit of witchcraft, but did not know what it was <laughs> until years and years later when he had a little bit of teaching about it. And then maybe begin to understand some. At the end it was like, how could somebody do that? They go to church. I've been friends with them for years. Saints, God, God's word tells us the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root, but the love of and the lust after finances is the root of every evil that comes along. Saints, in the days ahead, I, I, I just want you to have your eyes open. And to be educated and to know if there's a spirit of witchcraft in operation around you. (laughs) To recognize it for what it is and with the authority of the blood of Jesus in the name of Christ to shut the door to it. See, saints, I'm not concerned about Anton LaVey, pentagrams, or things like that. 
by the time it's reached that level, it's already gone way too far. Somewhere along the line, that spirit of witchcraft got in there because someone manipulated someone else's will. Saints, it goes on in churches. I'm telling you, you can turn on TBN. You can turn on Daystar. And within an hour, you can hear somebody manipulating something. And it's a spirit of witchcraft. How many big-name ministers have we seen in the last 20 years? i just say 20. That took a fall and brought a black eye not only to themselves, but to the church that they had founded. All because somewhere along the line, witchcraft and divination came along. And no one stood up to address it. Or if they did, they were labeled as a rebellious heretic and put out of the church. Saints anymore, when someone gets labeled as a rebellious heretic or wants to get put out of a church somewhere, I pull back and I say, you know what? I kind of want to be like Paul Harvey. I'd like to hear the rest of the story. Sometimes they may not be wrong in what they're saying. But over time, and with the application of anointing, the spirit of witchcraft will always stick its head up and you will always recognize it because somewhere along the line, someone's will got violated and they literally, spiritually speaking, were duped in, deceived, and raped by a spirit of witchcraft. Saints, the spirit of Antichrist, which John told us, he said, beware of that thing, you know, that the spirit of that thing is among you, would operate among you. There are two branches of the spirit of Antichrist that empower that thing. The spirit of divination is the knowledge branch. The spirit of divination is what knows what's going on or will reveal information. And the spirit of witchcraft is the power branch of the spirit of Antichrist. So when the spirit of Antichrist wants to know something, that spirit can talk to him about it. And the spirit of witchcraft is what will execute the power to really do what the will of that thing is. Hmm. Saints, we all know the story of Jezebel in the Old Testament. And in the church at Thyatira in Revelations chapter... Um, Revelation chapter 2, 18, um, whenever uh, uh, John was writing to them, he said, I have this one thing against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to seduce you into sexual immorality, eating food sacrificed to idols, and a whole host of other things that come along with it. Saints, remember, Jezebel really lived, but when I speak of the word Jezebel, I'm speaking of the spirit of Antichrist because Jezebel is a, what, Jezebel really determines what the female side of that personality looks like. It's worse when it gets a hold of a man. Hmm. Men are not designed to carry that Jezebel spirit. Men will have continual health problems when that spirit gets in them, and they are worse than the women. The women can be very seductive with it and very manipulative with it, but the men become very controlling and overbearing and very haughty with it. And before too long, most of them wind up dying of cancer or heart attacks simply because their body cannot handle that spirit the way that the female gender can. Mm. My purpose here today is not to bring fear to you. I want to be a carrier of some information and instead of the spirit of divination knowing something, I want you by the Holy Ghost to know something. So when that thing comes in operation, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be at work, whether it be in your business, whether it be at church, wherever it is that you will have eyes to see and you will be wise. 
Saints, I'm going to tell you, this thing going on with our health care system in this country, don't be deceived. It is a spirit of witchcraft, duping people into paying for something that nobody else wants to pay for and to cause a disruption in what's going on in our health care system. Ask Justin and Arlene. They work in it on a daily basis. Lance and I have a middle brother that owns his own company. The health care system didn't save him any money. It raised their health care costs by 30%. Steve, what does 30% do to your bottom line if you hadn't planned for it in your yearly budget? It hurts, doesn't it? It costs money. Saints, be aware. Know that our salvation is not in what the U.S. government can do for us. It's by the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus, the holy and anointed one. He is where our righteousness lies. He is where our warfare lies. And even in the Old Testament, they prophesied, speak to Jerusalem comfort for your warfare has been accomplished. Saints, in the days of head, do not be upset when people come to you and they need deliverance from a spirit of witchcraft. Sit down and help them. I'm just letting you know now that you're fixing to have ministry opportunities when that's what you're facing is the witchcraft spirit. And people who've come under the influence of that don't even realize what they are under. Sometimes it becomes so second nature to them. And if it goes on and they don't get deliverance, it'll become locked in their DNA and they'll pass it on down to their kids and their kids won't know. And see, Jesus is able to deliver us of anything that we want deliverance from. But a spirit of witchcraft, you have got to really want to be set free from that. And you've got to willfully set your mind and renew your thought pattern and renew your decision making and renew how you rearrange your life. So to not leave an open door for that thing to come in and and, and steal your crops. Hmm. See, Raymond is a good man. He got deceived by something that he did not know the difference because he didn't understand what spiritual warfare was, much less that the warfare was sitting across the table from him or three rows behind him in a church pew. He didn't understand that the warfare wasn't up there, but it was right there in front of him. Saints, our ground-level warfare and our part that we play in this is to help people recognize what the spirit is and to get free from that spirit and help them to stay free from that spirit. Whether it be your family, your church members, we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we are all commissioned. Jesus, When Jesus gave the great commission, he said, Go and do these things that I have commanded or that I have taught you. Dorman, how much of Jesus' ministry was spent in deliverance? How much? At least a third. So Jesus was... He was totally saved, I believe, not just one-third saved. So if a third of Jesus' time was spent helping people get free from demons, that means a third of our time is going to be spent helping people get free from evil spirits that have manipulated them and bound them. Amen. Did you learn something? Father, I release the brothers and sisters and part of my family today, not just in this building, but in the Texas panhandle, In eastern New Mexico, I declare that everywhere we walk and the feet that we tread on, that we will bring them the gospel of peace. But when necessary, execute that sword and bring deliverance for them. That we're not going to let Agag live in our presence anymore. That we're not going to let witchcraft dominate us 
control us and we're not going to let it use us in Jesus' name. That our mind, our will, and emotions have been um, exchanged for the ones that Christ did for us in the garden at the whipping post at the cross. And in Jesus' name, I declare right now any physical infirmities, any sicknesses that have come in because of the presence of the spirit of witchcraft right now, I shut the door to you in Jesus' name. I call you null and void, and I say that you are free from it and that be receive your healing and be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Eric asked me to take care of communion today, and I'll be more than happy to. Um, Eric, who did you ask to help? Okay, y'all come on up here. Hmm.